0: Our Father, we would ask that you would direct our gaze, the gaze of our hearts, our deep meditations in this Spirit um, to you. We gain nothing from this moment if it's not you who speaks. So have mercy on us as your hearers. Show us loving kindness as your children. Lord, be gracious to our Friends, that they may hear from you and draw us further in by your amazing grace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We began our meditations with the Lord's Model Prayer last week by beginning to talk about how Jesus invites us in to speak to the Father as our Father. And after he gives us that model prayer, he gives a, a two-verse, two-sentence discourse on one part of that prayer because it's so important. Because we can't even begin to approach God as our Father if forgiveness isn't a thing that exists according to his character and isn't a thing that is wrought in this world by His grace and mercy. So prayer isn't even possible unless He has forgiven His enemies and invited them into His presence as newborn children according to His Spirit. So forgiveness, as I would hope a lot of you would understand, is foundational to the gospel. It's foundational to our relationship with God as our Father and it's foundational for us in living out or communicating that gospel. So we can't love God or know His love for us without forgiveness and therefore it would carry on that we can't even love our neighbor as ourself without the existence of the knowledge of His forgiveness. So you don't have anything as far as the gospel goes unless you have forgiveness. And by the way, the degree to which God forgives is is somewhat of an incomprehensible uh, magnitude of forgiveness that you and I don't quite yet get. And I say that because we've never been in God's shoes. We have not uh, sovereignly, eternally existed in a perfect, holy State and had such profane things done against us by creatures that we have created in our own image. So we don't, we don't comprehend how or to the degree God has forgiven. We certainly live our whole lives as Christians investigating that. We certainly see in 1 Peter that the angels are constantly amazed by that. We read in Revelation that everyone will give praise to the Lamb who was slain in light of that, but we we don't fully get it yet. But I would argue that the more you meditate on how He has forgiven you, the more you'll be amazed by it, the more you'll be transformed by it, and your love and grace will then radiate from that knowledge. And just a disclaimer whenever I mention knowledge in a Bible study or from this pulpit, I am not talking about an intellectual pursuit of gaining information. I am talking about an intimate awareness of what it means to know God and what He has done for you. So the subtitle to this message is Do You Know the Gospel? If you don't know forgiveness, you don't know the gospel. Uh, If you don't know his forgiveness, then you do not know the gospel. So verses 14 and 15, after the Lord's model prayer, read like this uh, in light of verse 12, right? For if you forgive others their trespasses, trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So the question on the table becomes, did He forgive you? Verses 14 and 15 are communicating that unless this is known personally to each one of you, then verse 12 isn't possible. How could you expect to ask God for forgiveness if you yourself don't know what that is or how that is or how to do it? Or you don't have a heart that desires to practice that very same thing that has been done unto you. Jesus communicates this in that parable of the unforgiving servant, right? Who was forgiven a debt that was so incomprehensible and insurmountable that his whole life spent working that off could not pay it off. And yet he's cleared of it and he goes on his way being cleared of that debt and finds those who owe him little and begins to berate them and beat them for it. It is is profane in the economy of God to not exercise the same forgiveness that has been given to you. So what is forgiveness, actually? Let's define it for a minute. The freeing of a person from guilt and its consequences, including punishment usually as an act of favor, compassion, or love, with the aim of restoring a broken personal relationship. Forgiveness can involve both the remission of punishment and the cancellation of debts. That is biblical forgiveness. And you just kind of meditate for a minute on that definition, which is gathered from a biblical theology of forgiveness and wonder personally, If this is something that you do in light of who your father is and how he did this for you. Well, let's look at that for a minute. It's good to go back and remember how he has done this, how he's promised this. And by the way, just a a survey of your Old Testament. Spending any time there at all, you'll recognize that it is the father's heart to show grace and mercy to his people who don't deserve it. So Jeremiah 31, 33-34, this is a, a, um, a prophecy, a promise of the new covenant in Jesus' blood. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. We are brought into an intimate knowledge of the Lord Yahweh because He has forgiven the iniquity of His people and remembers their sin no more. That's why we know Him. That's why we have a relationship with Him. And I would argue that if you take that to the, to the interpersonal level in your relationships with people, if there is not forgiveness one to another, then you cannot have a relationship with each other. I was... Uh, I've been talking to a dear brother the past few weeks and he's got a family member who is... Uh, Very angry, (laughs) very divisive, Uh, very lost. And this friend of mine is, I know him, he is more than willing to forgive, give grace. Remember? Remember the sins that have piled up no more, but there is no repentance on the other part. So there is no relationship. There is no opportunity. For the glory of God's grace in the forgiveness one to another, because there is no acknowledgement of sin. And I would argue that God's grace and mercy is meant to lead to repentance. I'd go even a step further. And that those whom He exercises, choose to exercise His grace and mercy towards, will repent. They will be, like Paul, blown away by the fact that they have lived such a profane life against their creator that once they see the degree of their sins and trespasses against him, and once they see that he is uh, going to pardon them and forgive them and cleanse them of that iniquity, they are undone. We are undone. And we will repent. That's why I believe that the Bible teaches something known as irresistible grace. God is not going to spin that, going to display that, going to show that without there being fruit. That's what it's meant for. Romans 2, 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Because when we see our sin, we are supposed to recognize a holy God and an intolerance for all that is evil and profane in his holy presence. And so the fact that we would still exist and not be utterly destroyed uh, should make us crumble. In the fear of his goodness, which sounds like an ironic kind of oxymoronic statement, the fear of his goodness. But when you know who he is and all his power and all his righteousness, and when the mirror of the law presents to you your own sin, then what else is there to do but to realize at any moment he could destroy me, yet I stand under, or I... Uh, I am lay prostrate underneath him only because he is gracious and merciful right now. At any moment, if he had chosen not to be towards me, then I am utterly destroyed. You know, it's, I guess, somewhat depressing to meditate on that fact. But that is meant to meditating on that, those facts that I just... Spoke to us is is meant to further draw us into the glory and the goodness of His grace. It's meant to magnify, magnify the Lord. How do you magnify the Lord? Well, put who He is and what He does in contrast with who we are and what we do. Then you magnify the Lord because it is undeserved and awesome. And it's not to be abused. If you abuse as habit, as a way of life, what you supposedly understand about the forbearance and the forgiveness of God, then you are revealing that you do not value it at the very least or probably that you don't know it. Romans 6, 1 through 2, what shall we say then, Paul says? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? An emphatic, verse 2, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So, the rest of Romans 6 goes on to display how you have been kind of baptized into his death. And, and you've, the old man has been left behind and you've been raised to live according to the, to the new life, to the new man, to this heart of flesh, you're to follow Christ and be conformed to His image, you're kind of reborn. And so we recognize in that that God loved us first because He can and does forgive. Otherwise, there is no loving relationship possible. And He doesn't have to. You understand that. He is the righteous Judge. Lawbreakers are supposed to be punished. Don't we expect that in our society? We hope for that. We see that guy that zips around us on the interstate at 90 miles an hour, and you just hope, right, that you're going to see him down the road, pulled over, just getting his. But, 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 God loves the lawbreaker and doesn't bring us into eternal prison and condemnation, but loves us enough to open that door and show us the way to walk through. Therefore, how can you love your neighbor if you have not known how he has loved you? That's why when Jesus is summarizing or even when Paul is summarizing the law, the love of God first, because he first loved us, has to be understood. The, the, one of the big great realities that, that came to me upon my conversion was I, I never knew what it meant to actually love somebody. You know? didn't Nothing I had done up to that point That could have been a generic form of love, but it wasn't the name brand form, right? It wasn't from God himself. So then you go on this journey of actually loving people. Honestly, truthfully, with all the integrity that you could muster, because God has shown that into your hearts through Christ Jesus, you can then begin to love, actually love people. I don't doubt that non-believers do good things towards their neighbors and that's couched under the idea of love, but it's not the selfless, sacrificial, willing to forgive uh, to the nth degree, the the offense that has been wrought against you kind of love. It's not born from a, a place where we live with a hope of an eternal goodness and presence of God because... He forgave an undeserving sinner. We become benevolent and selfless, and we become less um, critical when we understand his forgiveness. So, the way that you view the world now, or supposed to in the gospel, is through what we like to call a gospel lens, or to have a a Christian worldview. And the Christian worldview is not simply a, a, a moral lens through which you now view the world and your relationships. A gospel lens is one that recognizes and meditates on the good news that God has cleared enemies and sinners of that debt and of that trespass and has made them children through Jesus who stands in their place to receive their condemnation. So that's how we view the world. That's how we view people. That's how we view our relationships. And we understand now love more fully and that it includes forgiveness because we're dealing with sinners I don't know how two people stay married apart from the gospel, right? Because you you have to exist every day with a a stature, a foundation of forgiveness. Or every offense lobbied or or thrown against you uh, from another is just going to pile up and pile up and build a a wall of resentment and hostility and hatred not willing to clear the other one of their trespasses against you. So that's the whole deal in verses 14 and 15. If, If you don't do that then you don't know what it is. So here's the beautiful thing that once you kind of get what Paul gets or what every Christian gets about what God has done in relationship to them, you you love more. There's a proportion here. Uh, Jesus says in Luke 7, 47, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he, is forgi- he, he who is forgiven little loves little. Now, here's a kind of a rhetorical thought, a response to this statement by Jesus. Is, is there really uh, varying degrees of how much you have been forgiven of when it comes to our relationship with God? I would say no. Because if you've broken one part of the law, you're guilty of breaking the whole thing, he tells us. So I think it comes down to this the more you understand of depravity in light of holiness, the more you understand how much you've been forgiven. So the Bible is trying to magnify those two realities. Not to depress us, but like I said earlier, to magnify the grace and the goodness of God and His forgiveness. And when we we start to uh, put that magnifying glass over that forgiveness and look into it and see really how wonderful and magnificent it really is and the degrees to which it goes, then the love that is curated and and drawn up in our hearts because of what we're seeing becomes so much that it overflows. We love much. We become kind of light and free. We become those who are just welcoming in the outsider to love. We are just begging to, to love them. You know people like this. And I would guarantee you that they understand how much they've been forgiven. Or they're living a life that is finding out more and more about that every day. One question I would have for all of us, and for myself, is when I... Well, I'll get there in a minute, so hold that. Anyways, Martin Luther... Says this forgiveness is not an occasional art, it is a permanent attitude. Okay, now we can get there. So, is this how you view other people who come into your sphere of influence Do you, that you work with, that you live with, that you encounter when you go get your haircut or when you go to the store? Are they potential or current objects of your permanent attitude of forgiveness? Are, are they able to be forgiven by you? I don't know why the answer would be no, unless that person is not repentant. But are they, even so, are you still able to forgive somebody even for potential trespasses against you? It's the way we live. It's the way we look at people. And the way that you have that attitude, the way that you live that way towards other people is by thinking about this question. Has there been a greater boundary crossing offense against you than those that have offended God? No. Nothing that can or has happened to you, as awful as that sounds when we think about things that could happen to us, is as offensive against you as we have been against God. Right? He is without sin. He has only ever desired to do good to us. And while Jesus is yet on the cross, he is praying in light of forgiving those who are nailing him there. And, and look, this is supposed to be modeled in his people that come after him because you see it in Stephen. It's one of the last things Stephen says. Father, don't hold this against them. They're killing him. And he says, don't hold this against them. So how much are you supposed to forgive people? Is, is there a degree? Is, is there a limit Jesus says no. Now, this great trespass that we're talking about, us against God, His creatures, profaning His name and image, this great trespass starts in the garden, right? That's the precursor to all human sin against God. And in those of faith, throughout the Bible, Uh, one thing that marks them as God's people is that they understand that their sin is against God. Now, of course, it's carried out against each other, but the greatest offense that they are committing is against God. Joseph knows this. He's in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife is trying to get a hold of him, in PG terms, and he knows That to give in to that is to what? Sin against Potiphar? Well, yeah. But but that's not what he says, is it? He knows that this would be to sin against God. David knows this. Read Psalm 51. Who did David sin against? God. And the times when Israel returns back to the Lord in repentance, what do they understand? We've sinned against God. So, we have to understand that there is no greater trespass that has taken place than humanity's sin against God. This is how Paul words it in Romans 3.19, after he's just got done telling us that no one's righteous, no one seeks God. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be stopped... And the whole world may be held accountable to God. The whole world may be held accountable to who? To God. Not to me, not to the president, not to your parents, but you're held accountable to God, which is the most fearful thing. so keep that in mind that the, the greatest offense of your trespass even against one another is an offense to a holy god who does not take that lightly who is committed right i would argue to justice and righteousness to punishing the evil doer Now I ask this, how quick and how often are you ready to forgive? And the way you answer that is in direct relation to how much you know about the gospel. Now remember the disclaimer. I'm not talking about how many facts you have understood from the Bible about the gospel. I'm asking whether you know To what degree the Lord has forgiven you. You can't divorce the two. You can't say, well, here's my relationship with God over here and how he relates to me and how I relate to him. And then come over here and say, well, this is how I deal with people, though. That doesn't make any sense in the kingdom of heaven. None. Do you see how both are at play, your relationship to God and your relationship to one another? And if you have been a benefactor of the gospel, then you have been given a ministry. In other words, you've been given a stewardship, a responsibility, something to look after and care for in trust from God himself. And what is that? Reconciliation. Reconciliation. You can display to the world the gospel and how you reconcile with people. And I would say believers and non-believers. And I would say first and foremost that your family would get this ministry first just because of the ample opportunity you have for sin against one another and therefore reconciliation against one another. Now we already understood that you don't sin just so that grace may abound or just so that there's an opportunity for reconciliation. It will just come up, okay? You don't have to try for it. So, are you a cold shoulder kind of person that as soon as you're trespassed against, you go off in your coldness and in your anger? Even though that person recognized and is broken over their trespass against you, do you withhold it? Or are you ready? How, are you, how can you be ready to reconcile? This is why daily gospel meditation is important for you and I. This is why those morning hours should be used for meditation on your relationship with God. Because you're gonna, uh, everybody else is going to wake up at some point and you're going to have to deal with them. And how is that going to be possible if you don't understand how God is dealing with you? And the fact that He is calling for uh, those same characteristics of that relationship to take place with you and your other relationships. I'm trying to get us, or, or hope that the Spirit would get us, into a mindful meditation on the spiritual realities at play that we don't disconnect our present tangible realities from the spiritual reality that is just as real, just as present around us? Are we concerned about the gospel at every moment? Now, notice this as well, in case you read verses 14 and 15 wrongly. John Owen says, Our forgiving of others will not procure forgiveness for ourselves, but our not forgiving of others proves that we ourselves are not forgiven. That kind of goes back to uh, we love God because He first loved us. Okay? We understand forgiveness because we've been forgiven. So if you attempt to be right with God because of your efforts to forgive, you've got it backwards. He forgives you. You understand what that is. Okay, now you've been given this ministry. Go do the same thing. So you're not earning anything by being a forgiven person. You are simply communicating, I get the message. And I have a ministry now to carry out the same thing. You put on display what has been done to you. So, does he forgive? You you are being conformed into the image of Christ. Does he forgive? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great Welsh minister in the World War II era over in London, do you think that you deserve forgiveness? If you do, you are not a Christian. Isn't that kind of a funny statement? Deserve forgiveness? (laughs) The answer is no, you don't. So how did or how does God respond to the sin of his people? And why does he bear with patience throughout centuries and millennium? the sins of his people. I'll tell you why. Because he will be glorified for removing the sin of his people by forgiveness, brought about in his mercy and grace. This takes us back to why he created such beings who could make a choice. Because he is going to put on display that which is his heart. He is righteous. He is holy. He is committed to justice. He will make his wrath known. But he wants the universe to know his heart. There is no object to forgive in the Godhead. (laughs) They don't trespass against one another. But he's going to make people in his image We're going to be real, living, breathing, thinking, kind of autonomous human beings. And he's making them as objects of his mercy and grace. He's even allowing them, Romans 3, to be subjected to futility in order that they may obtain the freedom of the children of God by His mercy and grace. Hosea 3.5, this is right, this is a great living example in the Bible of what it would look like to forgive as you have been forgiven. Hosea and Gomer. But Hosea 3.5, Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in, the fear to, in fear to the Lord and to His goodness in the later days. Latter days. They shall come in fear to the Lord and His goodness. He is going to be glorified for the magnificence of His mercy. So let's read about that in Revelation 5, 9 through 10. Jesus has just taken the scroll or his inheritance, and he's getting ready to open this and and reign for all eternity with his people. And and this is what the scene is in heaven. They sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation." And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So he is being glorified for all eternity in heaven because he was the manifestation of God's forgiveness and how he poured out his blood for their iniquities. So, Romans 8 tells us that at one time he can be the, or Romans uh, 5 tells us that at one time he can be the just and the just, or Romans 3, oh my gosh, I don't know, it's in there somewhere. Um, He can be the just and the justifier at the same time. He can complete his commitment to justice and he can complete his commitment and desire to mercy. Because Jesus dies and you live. So you can be cleared of your trespasses. You can be, have your debt wiped away. Because that's His heart. And if that's His heart, and we love Him, then that's our heart. I want to bring you to Psalm 103. It's probably my favorite psalm. I want to read to you verses 1 through 13. I want, to, I want you to know that this concept is, is not just revealed or known in the New Testament, New Covenant Gospel, but that God's forgiveness exists in Him eternally, even when there's no one to forgive. And here's what I love about David and here's what the Lord loves about David because, the Lord, because David loves the Lord because he knows the Lord. And this is what he knows about him. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? He will not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. God never saves because we're obedient. God saves because He's compassionate. And He will be glorified for it. So He is willing is a weak word. He is determined to take the sinner, take His children, And remove their transgressions from them by forgiving them of it. By uh, taking the punishment upon himself. Sin has to be punished. Okay, I'll take it. But I'm going to forgive them and clear them of it. So that there can be no longer any charge against God's elect. You can't separate his children from his love his forgiveness will change us you're not promised in your relationships with one another that your forgiveness or your willingness to forgive your readiness to forgive will change another person that's something that you can't do that's only in god's power to do but you are called to carry on the ministry of reconciliation that you now exist in because of. So we kind of use the biblical phrase, go and do likewise, right? Just like that. You can just forgive people that easy. I understand. It's hard. And we're offensive to one another sometimes. But all you have to do is to not forget the gospel. So, church, do not forget the gospel. Respond to the Lord now, and then we'll stand and sing together.